Welcome to the GIST Podcast, where we come together to meet the many wonderful people who make GIST what it is. A place where students learn to be self-directed, globally engaged, balanced, and future-ready. I'm Morgan. And I'm Mindy. And we're your hosts. We are honored to welcome GIST alum Valerie Guarnieri to the podcast today. Valerie is Deputy Executive Director for Program and Policy Development at the World Food Program. And the World Food Program was the recipient of the 2020 Nobel Peace Prize. Valerie truly exemplifies the GIST motto of best for the world. Valerie, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to join us today. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. So Valerie, we're very proud to call you a, a GIS alum and happy to, to know that you went to GIS. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your childhood and how your time at GIS influenced your life decisions? Um, sure. Well, I, I grew up moving around, like I think probably a lot of the students at at, uh, at JIS did. I also call it JIS because oh, yeah. that's what we called it when we were there. <laughs> Um, but I lived there for six years and, and they were big years and it was longer than I lived anywhere else in my childhood. So I was at uh, JIS with my two brothers. My father was doing trade union development work uh, around Indonesia and um, and JIS was our community. I mean, we, we were really a very strong uh, part of it. And we saw a lot of families come and go because of that six years that we were there and and still keep in touch with so many of our friends and my friends from from JIS, which never, you know, always surprises my husband who grew up in in Metuchen, New Jersey, and doesn't keep in touch with anybody that he knew <laughs> from that time in, in in life. But, you know, I think some of the thing in, in Jakarta that that really stayed with me was both the beauty and the differences that we all have, but also how there are things that really connect us. I mean, you know, the yeah. uh, friendship and kindness and, uh, and community and, uh, you know, desire for equity and for everybody to have a fair shake. I mean, these were really part of my, uh, my JIS uh, experience. I think we also realized that we were really privileged. I mean, we were living in a country uh, where around us was a lot of poverty and a lot of suffering, and we had a very good life and a special responsibility to, uh, to, to, to help others and to be good people and to try to make a difference. So that sense of purpose also um, inspired me in the course of work that I, that I took and that desire for an international life. I knew I was never gonna be happy just in one place. Uh, I like to move around a lot and my career has given me and now my children that opportunity as well. That's beautiful. And do you think at the, I'm just thinking about your childhood at GIS and living in Jakarta, um, did that have any impact on the way that you viewed food systems since this is something you really devoted your life to? Um, I'd say that, I mean, it was at the time when I was in Jakarta, you couldn't, you couldn't get everything that you wanted and everything <laughs> that you needed. It 
was it was hard. I mean, of course, there's a lot of food that's produced in uh, in Indonesia, and uh, but you know, as a as a child, you wanted your special brand of something, or you know, or your particular you know jar of peanut butter or whatever it was. And I mean, we used to have to have uh, pretty complex systems of how you got what you wanted when you wanted and either that was you know people when they went you know back to the u.s where i'm from uh they would bring things we used to go to we used to go to singapore all the time which was the nearest mcdonald's and my wow. friends in jakarta would literally ask me to bring it back for them which i did you know so um, <laughs> of course you did kind of things <laughs> like you know i mean maybe a link to some of the complicated supply chains that run the world uh but you know how do you how important food is how what you want is uh, is is also very important and how you kind of, you know, connect yourself to that. Yeah. So how did you end up working in your role in the World Food Program? So, I mean, I joined WFP in my early 30s and I had already been working 10 years in the U.S. government. And in that job, I was working at the U.S. Agency for International Development. There were a lot of USAID kids at the uh, at JIS when I was there as well. Um, and I was working specifically on humanitarian crises, helping to manage U.S. humanitarian assistance to people caught up in crisis uh, abroad. Um, and in that work, I had exposure to WFP on the front lines of some of the, the, the worst crises, the Somalia crisis in 1990, uh, in 1991, 1992, uh, the genocide in Rwanda. Um, and I had the opportunity both to see what happens when people are cut off from food, how that's such a basic need uh, that needs to be restored for life and also for dignity. Um, but I also had an appreciation that I didn't just want to be financing and supporting these activities. I wanted to be part of the action. And so I saw WFP and how uh, the amazing job that its teams around the world were doing in my work at USAID. And I wanted to be part of it. So I, I had the opportunity um, initially as a secondment from the U.S. government to come over to WFP to try it out. But once I was here, um, and particularly once I deployed to one of our field operations, I was uh, I was hooked. Incredible. So one of the things that the WFP highlights is that there's enough food to feed us all in the world, and yet 828 million people go to bed hungry every night. So with that in mind, could you talk to us a bit about the overall mission of the WFP and some of its main programs that it runs? So WFP works with partners to end hunger, and um, and that requires everyone everywhere to have access to a healthy diet at all times. And so that's really our, our driving uh, mission. And it means that we work to meet food needs now, while also making investments that help people meet their food needs going into the, the future. And so our programs that are all about, about that. We have a, a very a laser beam focus on helping people in emergencies because that's really the most extreme situation when wars or droughts or floods uh, or other crises cut people off 
from uh, from from food, there's an immediate issue, um, and we meet that need by either bringing food in, uh, and we you know nothing stands in the way uh, of of a WFP and a hungry child, so we get food to some impossible places. Uh, but we also where food is available in the market, but people are just struggling to access it. We uh, we give cash as well. We gave two billion dollars of cash last year, mostly through money transfers, mobile money uh, to help connect people with uh, with food. So really about 75, 80% of our work is focused on on that, getting people uh, food they need the best way uh, we, we can do that. Another big program that we have is around school meals because that's the biggest safety net in the, in, in the world. Uh, we believe that all children deserve to have a nutritious meal at school every day. And we know that that helps them learn. You can't learn on an empty stomach, uh, but we've also seen that it, it brings kids to school. In some of the countries that we work, there's a problem of out of school children. Uh, parents sometimes hold their children back back uh, because they uh, they need them to, to be involved in, 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 in work and earn money or take care of their younger siblings or do other things. So we uh, food can be a really important incentive to get children to school. It can keep them there, but it also helps them learn so that they can concentrate and live up to their, uh, their, their, their full uh, potential. So that's another one of our, uh, of our, of our major uh, programs. And then one other that I'll highlight is that we, um, I mentioned that we're talking about investments. And so investing in uh, not just meeting people's calorie needs, but also making sure that children have the best possible start in life. I mean, that starts actually in the womb with um, um, nutrition for mothers, uh, but also to make sure that young children uh, get the nutrition and the nutritious supplements that they, uh, they, they need through breastfeeding, but also through weaning foods that are nutritious and help meet the, their needs for their very small tummies. So, you know, these are some of the ways in which we try to make sure that everybody has access to, to nutritious food. Yeah, that's, it's really inspiring. And um, I think, you know, all of that is inspiring, but especially as educators, the one that really sticks out is this idea of giving school children meals. And I think about the, the school meal program, I think it, you, I had seen that it is in 40 countries around the world. Is, is that correct? Well, we support school meals programs in more than 60 countries around wow. the world some wow. of which we deliver directly, particularly in a crisis if a government is struggling to meet those needs. But we also help nations build their own national programs, which is more sustainable. So finding ways not just to have a school meals program active around the country so that all the children can uh, can can access it, but also to use local production to uh, to supply that school meals program. So you are reducing the complications of trying to get food in for abroad, but it also uh, is an investment in the local community. So connecting farmers and schools really gets at the heart of a lot of rural communities. Yeah, I love that, how you're looking at it from so many different angles in, in a really holistic way. How did the COVID pandemic and perhaps the war in Ukraine have an impact on your programs? 
both COVID and and war had uh, had pretty major uh, impacts on 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 our program with. Um, with COVID, uh, we we found the the big global supply chain disruptions uh, were, uh, were 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 tremendous. So the need the access to food issues became quite 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 big. Um, when governments were enacting some of their control measures, uh, communities were cordoned off uh, from uh, from their jobs in some cases and from being able to shop and and get the food that they needed in. Uh, in, in other cases. So a lot of governments actually called on WFP to help them to uh, to ensure that connection or to make that connection. So uh, to uh, we were helping you know people slum dwellers in uh, in Kenya uh, to access food either by delivering food packages um, or by uh, providing cash support for people who weren't able to work anymore. Daily laborers are a big part of the urban economy, and if you're not able to hustle and then get out there uh, to to earn your daily bread. Uh, you're not going to be able to eat. So, um, so a lot of focus on uh, social cash transfers for mm -hmm. some of these uh, for some of the these people. But a big impact of COVID was also on schools. So when schools closed down, uh, not only were hundreds of millions of children cut off from education, but School meals are the largest safety net in the world. So 350 million children were cut off from that critical safety net. Mm -hmm. So we worked with uh, schools and school communities around the world uh, to help provide food packages for, uh, for school children and their households while they were learning at home or not in school at all or, or not able to learn because there was no remote learning in a lot of the poor communities. Um, and then we worked with schools to reinstate school meals um, uh, when, when it was safe to do so, so that it would be an incentive for, uh, for, for children who had been pulled out now to return to, uh, to schools. So, so COVID was really a, a, an important moment to also rally people around the importance of uh, school meals um, and the need to ensure that all children had access to a nutritious meal in, um, in, in school. Ukraine um, has been another big, big blow. Ukraine plays an outsized role in, um, in the global food system. I mean, they're the lead producer and exporter of sunflower oil, which is a huge part of a lot of diets, uh, but they're also a major exporter of wheat. Uh, and we buy, for our programs around the world, we were buying hundreds of thousands of tons of wheat in, uh, in Ukraine for hungry people in Afghanistan, in Yemen, uh, in Ethiopia, in other countries that are wheat dependent but didn't produce uh, uh, enough and are facing other kinds of emergencies. So it's been very important. We saw global prices going up on you know, food prices. And so that means it 
it's, you know, more and more people are priced out of the market. We saw our costs going up more. We are spending more than $70 million each month uh, to buy food because of these uh, price increases that came out of the war in Ukraine. Um, and we were facing a real concern with access both to food and that wheat, those wheat exports, uh, but also access to fertilizer, a lot of which comes through Russia, but which is also uh, exports were have been uh, um, affected by the by the war. Uh, and so we had both the kind of, you know, food access crisis now, but a lot of concerns that farmers haven't been getting enough fertilizer and we could have a global food production crisis looking ahead. So you just see again how these things are so connected. The global food system is a very complex network of, uh, of, of, of actors. And when major actors are not able to play their part, the ripple effects are global and, and severe. The work you're doing is incredible. I do want to shift our focus back to GIST just a little bit because I know the students were very excited to hear that we are going to be talking with you. Um, and one of the things that our students and our faculty have been working on so much is learning how to integrate the UN Sustainable Development Goals more authentically in our work. And we are trying to do it well, and we it's obvious that you're doing extremely well. You're really embodying a lot of these goals. Of course, zero hunger. Um, and you've touched on things such as quality education. You've touched on gender equality and poverty. Could you speak to us just overall um, about how you are the SDGs are fitting into the mission of WFP um, and any that I may have just left out or that you want to highlight personally? Well, and so, I mean, as part as WFP is part of the broader UN system. Yeah. And so we are all just, you know, leaning in to the need to help nations to achieve the sustainable development goals. We've set our um, our uh, sites towards SDG 2 on zero hunger and SDG 17 on partnerships and working together to achieve the goals. We provide humanitarian services to the global com community, an air service that was a lifeline for most organizations during COVID. Uh, we help coordinate the food and nutrition work also of other partners because we're not doing this alone. And so SDG 2 and SDG 17 are kind of our, you know, our two guiding uh, bright, bright lights. Um, but like you highlighted, we also support other SDGs. So SDG 1 on poverty, we know that poverty and hunger go hand in hand and you can't address one without the other. Um, SDG 3 on health, uh, that investment in nutrition nutrition for children and for uh, for 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 women, particularly um, women of childbearing age and pregnant women, is um, absolutely key for the. Um, health of this generation as well as the next. I've talked about school meals and how they are our flagship program and development. Uh, school meals contribute directly uh, to SDG 4 on education by bringing children to school and helping them to learn better. Um, we uh, Food and water 
are also two sides of the same coin. I mean, water is critical in emergencies, but water is important in all times. You can't consume food without water. You can't cook it uh, without water. And so access to clean water is, um, is something that we support through our programs and is absolutely key for, uh, for, for life. Um, climate. Um, SDG 7 is also so, uh, so important. Um, a lot of the crises these days are driven by climate shocks, which we just see as getting worse and worse. And, um, and people who have contributed the least to climate change are the ones who are suffering the most from its uh, repercussions. And so we work a lot on climate adaptation and how we can be climate safe in our programs as well. And then I talked about women and, and, and girls. And, and so SDG five around gender is, you know, is absolutely key to everything we do. So, I mean, they're all indivisible. And uh, our goal is to take really responsibility for leading on the ones that were best placed to lead, but then knowing that they all come together, 17 goals, and we need to be supporting the achievement of all of the other ones as well. When I hear you speak, you're often talking obviously about food systems and, and the food supply system, but also looking at every single program you do, you're looking at the entire system around it and looking at those connections that it's going to make. And I think for us as teachers, if we get our students to start to understand that as well, you know, with the SDGs, how they are all interconnected and how, you know, you can't just look at one problem on its own without thinking about the bigger picture and, and those different connections. Thinking about the action that we're kind of hoping that our, our students would one day take. It was a big deal when the World Food Program won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2020. And it was interesting because David Beasley used that acceptance speech as an opportunity to, you know, as a call for action. And he described the 270 million people on the brink of starvation living in a world where there's plenty of resources and finances to feed everybody. So what role do you see young people playing in solving these problems? I mean, young people are key. I, we we need to be, uh, they're the ones who are most impacted uh, by the decisions that uh, are being made or not made today. Um, and they're the ones who we're counting on uh, to, to lead us to a, a better future. So, I mean, I think when we look at the role young people play, it's really around three uh, three areas awareness and i think it's really important for young people to learn about hunger and how it's playing out in the context that they live in uh, um, and that they're growing up in um, that's uh, so important um, and you know get it, making sure those tools are available so that children at all ages uh, can be learning that and you know we have there's tools available on our website um, non-governmental organizations like Oxfam or World Vision UNICEF our sister UN agency has good tools for children so that awareness is key and it's the starting point really learning about uh, about hunger um, the the second one is the advocacy 
and uh, and supporting policies and practice that help address hunger and can contribute to achieving the sustainable development goals. And um, and I think it's always best to, you know, really to start locally, uh, to think about, you know, what are the issues here? You know, what needs to be done and advocate for, you know, even small changes uh, that can help make the life of others uh, better. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's even just the you know, learning about food waste and how, you know, how much food is lost by waste and what you can do to contribute to um, to reducing uh, food waste. I mean, these are things that are super important. And then action. Uh, so awareness, advocacy and action and, and action can come from um, from uh, from you know volunteering again usually starting locally with a local organization or a group you know delivering meals for um, for for orphans or for um, or for elderly people um, or growing a school garden like just things that get you connected with uh, issues in the food chain um, are uh, are super important. Um, and then even funding. Uh, funding is important. And even, you know, uh, a dollar, you know, or, uh, or, or a portion of your allowance uh, towards addressing causes that you care about, and hunger is one of those causes, is um, is a way to uh, to contribute and 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 act and all of these things your awareness your advocacy and your action they can get more sophisticated um, as you grow older and you know as you have sort of you know different points of of, of access but even you know as a as a even as a very young child you can already play an important role in each of those areas. Yeah, and I think that idea of just getting started right is is so important for them to understand it doesn't have to they don't have to all be working for the world food program they can they can do work right now that being said if they would like to work for the world food program or are interested <laughs> or excited i i imagine there's some students who will listen to this and will become very excited by the possibilities of following a career path like you have um, so on that note, could you talk to us a bit about what you think, um, what skills you think are important to succeed in a position like the one you have? Well, um, we we want them to work for the world. <laughs> I think, you know, students who have come up through international schools are really very well placed to work in the United Nations where you work with people from all over the world and you need to bring perspectives together to solve problems. I mean, that's really the goal of the United Nations is to uh, is to solve problems. Um, I think the international students uh, and international school students are, are in a very good position to, to work for the United Nations and within the UN. And, you know, you want to if you want to have that opportunity to be at the top policy tables, but also be on the front lines of, of, of crisis and uh, and uh, and problem solving. Uh, the World Food Program is a great part of the UN to um, to, to work with. Um, usually you come to the UN. There was there's internships uh, that can uh, that you can get when you're a college student and WFP, like several other uh, UN um, agencies, welcomes um, interns um, starting from the third year in university. So that's something to explore. And our website uh, um, 
advertises the different internship uh, uh, opportunities, um, volunteering again with uh, local organizations um, in Jakarta and when they're back in their home countries or when they go on to universities is a great way uh, to get more exposure, to try out, you know, which aspects of work uh, that they are um, interested in, how they can best contribute. So I really uh, recommend that. And even thinking in terms of what field of study you want to, uh, to, to work on. I mean, I think people think, oh, if, you know, I'm going to work in the UN, I should study international relations. Or if I want to work on food, I should study food, you know. Um, there are things around, uh, you know, agriculture, food production, food transformation uh, that, 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 that are studied and that are important areas. Uh, but, you know, WFP needs economists. We need um, health specialists. We need, um, we need communication experts. I mean, we need a lot of different kinds of, of skills and, and qualifications. So, you know, I think if you're driven to have uh, a career in, uh, in the UN and, and particularly in the World Food Program, there are many different paths in which you can uh, get there. We have finance officers and accountants, uh, just like we have logisticians and food monitors. So um, there are a lot of paths to get you there. Um, you just need to know that that's where you would like to go. That's a really good point. It's not, you know, it's quite a wide variety of ways that you can achieve that goal. Valerie, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It's unbelievably inspiring and we can't wait for students to hear your voice and learn more about what the possibilities are for them, um, whether they decide to pursue trying to work at the UN or any other type of institution where they can give back in the world. Now, as we start to come to a close, we just have a couple more questions. So I, I do have one, you know, we've been talking a lot about current current things that have been happening around the world and the current systems that we have in place. Um, the world is shifting rapidly. Climate change is starting to affect us. We can start to see those effects uh, quite dramatically in some places. The world population is expected to increase quite dramatically as well. From your perspective, um, how do you think food systems might be shifting in the future, either to accommodate that or unfortunately as an effect of that? So, I mean, the concept of food systems is really an important one. And I think one that's only kind of getting mainstream attention now. In 2021, the Secretary General convened a food system summit. And that was a good opportunity for, um, for, for the world to come together, policymakers, civil society, private sector, food producers, uh, to come together and look at each stage in the chain from production down to what's on your plate and see what needs to happen to make sure that works better for people and for planet. Um, and that was really the focus of that uh, summit. We're gonna have a stock taking um, in, um, in, in a year's time to see how much progress we've, uh, we've made in taking national plans to strengthen food systems and, um, and taking those to, uh, to, to scale. But fundamentally, we need each of those stages of the food system, both to take into account climate, producing food more, uh, more efficiently without taking as much from, uh, from, from the planet, 
um, reducing food waste so that we better utilize the food that, that, that is produced, um, issues around consumption and, and changing diets uh, so that we can be more uh, eco-smart in, um, in, in the choices that we make. I mean, all of these things are, um, are, are more important. So, you know, I think we, we do need to revamp the food system, but as individuals, we also need to be much more mindful about what we're eating, the choices we're making, and the impact that it, it has because of our role in that global food system. Listen to you speak. One thing I think about is I think about this role that you're in, which is so important, and you're dealing with such a fundamental human need that there must be moments that are pretty difficult, you know, knowing that it's, you can't meet every child's need, every human's need. Um, but yet I always hear, I, you hear just this constant sense of we can do this. There, there are steps, there are actions that we can take in general. What brings you hope? The ability to make a difference really is what gives me, gives me hope. And I've had the chance to see that from the early days in my career when I was working in Somalia and uh, just by bringing food to people who were cut off from that support, we were able to turn a situation around from people dying to children playing football in the streets. And, you know, and that's really, you have that immediate impact. It doesn't take long uh, for that turnaround to, to happen. So that brings me hope. Um, the other thing that brings me hope is really this, this resilience that is there, the resilience in women, the resilience in children, that desire to have a better life and to use all means at your disposal in order to do so. And, and so we're so determined at the World Food Program to, you know, to get that last mile, to deliver that food, uh, to ensure people have the access uh, to, to nutritious meals that they need. And we're rewarded time and time again by um, by the impact that that has on the people who are reaching. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much for bringing us hope and your determination. Um, I think it's uh, it it'll spread. It's spreading around the world, and I'm sure it will help spread within this community as well. Thank you for especially for taking the time to come back and speak to Jis. We, of course, are so proud to call you a dragon. We have that motto, once a dragon, always a dragon. And we are we're just so grateful that you are one of us and that we're able to spread your story to our students and inspire them towards hopefully careers and lives that really give back in the way that you have. So thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. I mean, I think the chance to, 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 to connect with this next generation of GIS students is great. It's a great school. It's a great institution. I love international education. Um, so, so, so thanks for this.